0: To the week 5 edition of Spitball. I'm your host, Adri Bullhawk Mallows, and with me this week is, well, no one actually. That's right, folks, this hawk is flying solo again. Aww. But... So, on with the show as I have a lot to get through this week. Your phone, so now your chance. To have football on your phone and football in your pants. Look at this guy using his phone as a phone. Your phone ain't for calling your, your phone for footballers. Football on your phone. Uh-huh. Yeah. On your phone. First off, as I briefly explained on the blog, week 5 sees the return of Pink Taber to the NFL, and the players, coaches, and referees all wearing pink in support of breast cancer awareness. The apparel worn by the players and coaches is also auctioned off with the proceeds going to the Breast Cancer Awareness Charity. For more information on the NFL's Crucial Catch campaign, please go to www.nfl.com forward slash pink. Now, let's rattle on into the Monday night game between the Atlanta Falcons and New York Jets. This really wasn't the game that I was actually looking forward to as both sides have been really under par to be honest this year and it was a case of, for me, who wouldn't play the worst, if that makes sense because you've got the Vulcans who are showing this year that you just can't keep winning close games and expect to win out two seasons in a row. Also, it doesn't help that they do have Roddy White and uh, Julio Jones both playing with slight injuries wondering if maybe that's hindering their offensive production You've also got the New York Jets, who have a rookie quarterback in Gino Smith, still managing to keep Sanchez out the side. Not sure whether Sanchez is still officially injured or not, but it looks like Gina is going to keep the gig there regardless. The result itself, I would have to say, a bit of a shocker. Although I wasn't expecting it to be a great game, I was still expecting the Falcons to win at home. But, lo and behold, the Jets managed to pull out the upset win, putting themselves 3-2 and tying for second place in the AFC East. With the Miami Dolphins who also lost this week. So all hope isn't actually lost for Buffalo. At 2-3 we are just one game behind second place. So let's hope that the uh, Dolphins and uh, the Jets now go on a slide. So that we can sneak the Bills in there somewhere. We also of course had what was an absolutely epic match this week. Between Denver and Dallas. Now on paper going into the game. You wouldn't have thought it would be the score that it was. If you did... Fair play to you, drop me a comment, drop us an email, any of the social media icons. Let me know if you genuinely called this game being 51-48 to the Denver Broncos. What a performance. Romo had his first 500-yard passing game of his career. Peyton Manning was phenomenal as always. Romo throwing five touchdowns. But with Tony Romo, with every silver lining, there's always a cloud. And that cloud was a crucial interception deep in their own half with under two minutes to go on the clock, putting Denver in position to win the game. And fair play to Peyton Manning. As I read this week, he was absolutely screaming at no Sean Marino to make sure that under no circumstances did he put the ball in the end zone so that it would kill the clock out and they could kick the winning field goal with just barely seconds left on the clock. With this game... Also comes a question in from Marcus, who, as I say, couldn't be with us this week. In a league designed around offences, why is it that both defence and special teams have accounted for 37% of the total points this year? Wow. Great question. Firstly, if the defences and special teams have only put up 37%, of course it does still mean it's an offence-dominated league because they've put up the... 63% of the other points, so uh, still very much offence dominated. Also, I think you have to remember that all good defences will punish bad offences, and I think what we've seen this year is exactly that. Whenever there's been a mistake made, the defences have capitalised on it, running the ball home for six. There's been a few great special teams plays. I think there's still only been a handful of punt and kick returns this year mainly down to the 35-yard line that the special teams kick the ball off from now after every score. Obviously that was brought in for safety reasons. The only downside is you do still see a lot of players coming out trying to make a play and you can see their special teams coach screaming on the sideline when they try and bring it out from 8 yards deep and they get tackled on the 10-yard line. Definitely not the coach's favourite player after that kind of shenanigans. Not just that, I think with the special teams, there only seems to be a few coaches who have a good awareness, should we say? Either a good awareness or pay a lot of attention to special teams. Teams like Denver, any team that you know has got a good returner. So you know that Hester, they work around him in Chicago. Holiday, they work around in Denver. Baltimore work around their return now with Tandon Doss. Buffalo genuinely has a good special teams. Obviously, if you watch the game on Thursday night, you wouldn't necessarily think so with the way we gave up yardage against Benjamin. But that's a different story altogether. Back to Peyton Manning, though, briefly, if I can. You have to look at his stats. After five games, he's thrown for 1,884 yards and 20 touchdowns. Now, if you were to take that and times it by three, because that's nearly as many games as we have left, he's on pace to throw for over 60 touchdowns and break Brady's previous record of 50. He's also on pace for a record-breaking yardage season and throwing nearly 6,000 yards. The guy is just absolutely unbelievable at the moment, but uh, maybe uh, more about him later on in the show. The Blake man pitches a Sarge. The Sarge drip bumps into his own man. It's a fumble. Fumble liar. Surge fumble Lena Wilkerson fumbles the ball. We now move on to our weekly awards. As you all know, this is our Offensive and Defensive Impact Planeous. Players, otherwise known as the Mr award and the award going to start this week with our Mr Ray Lewis award now this is possibly the first time in spitball history that both the runner up and the winner of this award have both come from the same team the decision this week to pick a winner between the two of them was very hard and was in fact only decided by one total tackle the runner-up this week was middle linebacker Carlos Dansby of the Arizona Cardinals, picking up eight tackles, two of them were sacks, and one interception in their win against the Carolina Panthers. Now, the defence in general was just putting so much pressure on Cam Newton. It was unbelievable, and you'll see from the winner as well. We're going to do them both together. The winner this week, Dara Washington, also linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals, with nine tackles, two sacks and an interception. It's a great general defensive performance. The linebackers just giving no room up front at all. Getting plenty of pressure on Newton. Making sure he can't throw the ball. Putting him in the turf every opportunity they had. So, congratulations to Darrell Washington for being this week's Mr. Ray Lewis! Award winner. Next, we move on to the... Ray Lewis. Award The runner-up this week is a player who's just come back off a four-game substance abuse ban and that is Justin Blackman of the Jacksonville Jaguars. What an impact he had in one of his first plays from scrimmage. Caught a 67-yard touchdown pass, took it to the house, finished up the day with five receptions and 136 yards. Now, that's an impact on your return and it shows just how much that Jacksonville offense has missed him. Granted, they still didn't manage to come up with a win, but they put up a lot better fight than they would have done without Justin Blackman on the side for sure. The winner this week pretty much speaks for himself. I don't know how many times this guy is going to win the award this year, but if he keeps playing at the rate he is, you might as well just sell a tape his name to the award because this week, again, my... <laughs> ...award winner has to be Peyton Manning for that epic 51-48 victory over the Cowboys... Looking at him completing 33 of 42 passes, 414 yards, four touchdowns. And get this, people, would you believe he even had a rushing touchdown on a great fake running play. And then he just bootlegged around the outside. No one even knew he had the ball. He just waltzed into the end zone. I haven't seen a great run like that since I was there at Wembley back in 2007 watching his brother Eli Manning bootleg into the end zone versus the Dolphins there's something about those Mannings when you least expect it they will pull something out the bag and you may even see him score a running touchdown well we did this week so maybe it'll be another four or five years before we see Peyton do that again so congratulations to Peyton Manning once again for being this week's award winner how that kid's got a gun man Right as soon as you cross that goal line, that thing's coming. Cutler loads it up and throws. Pass caught Scheffler. And Denver's got a touchdown. Hey! That was a bad, that was hit him. the way. It hit his hand. Did it? That was a laser. It almost knocked me over. It good to me. but The gun. Jay Cutler fired a laser, laser, laser. Throwing, opening up at the end zone, touchdown, Kellen Davis. What runs through your mind when you throw a pass like that to Kellen Davis with two defenders in between him in the end zone? I oh, hope it makes it there. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, you know, it's a window, I know I'm going to fit it in there. I, I, I've never questioned it and I never will. Now we move on to some football films which may or may not come up in our top 10 this side of Christmas. Now, I wanted to include this segment this week. Firstly, being on my lonesome this week. It was kind of a good way to help buff out the podcast, I'm not going to lie. But also, just to give you a preview and to try and find out your thoughts on what you think the best football films are. Now, am going to give you all the opportunity to get in touch with us and I would like you to provide your top five NFL slash football films. That's American football for the English listeners of all time. Drop us an email, ballhawksnest at gmail.com. Tweet us at Bullhawks Nest or leave a comment on our Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash BullhawksNest. It would be great to hear from you and hear some of your choices for best football films. A few films that I've seen again recently that, uh, again, may or may not make it into the top five. Also of top ten that we'll be doing before Christmas. You have Friday Night Lights with Billy Bob Thornton, about a high school football team. Saw this for the first time a couple of months ago. Really, really impressed, really. Based on a true story, and it's just phenomenal. Even at high school level, the passion and dedication that goes into that level of football is just unbelievable. Then we have an old Disney classic as well, Remember the Titans. We all, I'm sure, love this film. Denzel Washington, plus an array of cast members from when they were younger, including the likes of, some may know him as... Turk from Scrubs appears in this film. We also have a very young Ryan Gosling and just a great cast all round, really. Great film as well, great story. Based on a true story again and you really do need to get out there and watch it. We also have an old favourite. It's actually one of the, the first football films I can remember watching back in the day, early 90s. It just started getting into the sport and I remember my brother bringing back this film Now, uncanny. we were watching Quantum Leap at the time. This is going back, obviously, a number of years, as you can tell, when Scott Bakula was number one on the telly with uh, Sam Beckett. And, uh, yeah, watching Necessary Roughness, seeing him as a 30-year-old college quarterback. Bit of a cheesy film, I know, but it's one of those feel-good football films. You can't help but just watch it again and again and again. Question is, will that make it into the top ten? You'll find out. As mentioned though, don't forget to get in touch with your top five. Looking ahead now to the week six matchup, and there's a few matches that have caught my eye looking at the schedule list for this week. The first one It's the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the New York Jets. This is going to be one of those how badly can you suck battles without a shadow of a doubt. Pittsburgh, despite coming off a bye week, uh, New York Jets, despite coming off a victory, I can't see it being a a great game, but I do expect Geno Smith to get some decent numbers up on the board. Maybe have a 300-yard passing game. Don't see the Pittsburgh Steelers doing very well at all this year, and they are looking at finishing that. Rock bottom, behind the Browns in the AFC North. Talk about embarrassing. Next up, we've got Carolina versus Minnesota. Should be an interesting one, this one. With Carolina coming off that loss to the Cardinals, they'll be wanting to prove something. Minnesota Vikings, fresh off a bye week after their travels back from London. Should be interesting. How many yards will all day Adrian Peterson put up? That's the question. Finally, we have my game. This was an easy choice this week for me when I looked at the fixtures. Denver are playing Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, you can't guarantee a win because in football, anything can happen. Any given Sunday and all that. But for me, I'm saying that Denver have an 80% over the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm looking at them winning comfortably by two or three scores. 14, 21 points. It's going to be a walk in the park. Or is it... That's about all from me this week but do join us next week as Marcus will be back and drum roll please we have our first ever guest on the show joining us all the way from USA. There's only one way to find out who that will be and that's tuning in next week. Until then football fans stay safe and take care.